everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. This is Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors because I've noticed that people that apply those four principles or four aspects to their lives on a consistent basis have consistent success. They're constantly getting better. I want that for you. I want that for me. And that's why I'm sharing these amazing conversations that I get to have on Saturday with you. Mondays, of course, are gear reviews. Wednesdays are the shorter episodes where I'm solo. But Saturdays, I love having these conversations like the one I'm going to share with you today with Corey Anderson, who is just a great mixed martial artist. He is a fighter, literally and figuratively. He has fought through lots in his life. Uh, He is just a great overall individual, loves his family, loves getting outdoors, loves getting after it in life. Uh, He really enjoys hunting, loves shooting his bow. So before we get into that conversation and we get to introduce him, I wanted to remind you to definitely go check out the links down below with the companies that bring you this podcast, companies that I get to work with. And then in turn, provide you a discount on some amazing gear or nutritional items. Of course, Alpen Fuel, Heather's Choice, First Form, Black Ovis, All-In Digiscoping, A3 Archery Bowstrings, Kestrel Glassing Systems, Quattro Archery, Absolute Aid CBD, and Affect Beard Oil. Go check out those companies if you guys are in the market for any of those items. If you have any questions, of course, shoot me a message. I'm more than happy to chat with you about them. Again, guys, I'm a gear junkie. I love talking about gear and getting you the best quality. And then of course, providing you a discount. Also, I'd love to personally invite you to the Redbeards Fit Crew and First Form Outdoors Facebook groups. If you're not in those groups and you have a Facebook, you're missing out. Definitely go check out those groups. I've got an amazing project that I'm working on right now with Redbeards Fit Crew, Sharon a journey with you guys uh, in that group. So definitely go join the groups. I'd love to have you over there. If you don't have a Facebook, let me know. Shoot me an email at redbeardoutdoors1 at gmail.com so I can get you in on our weekly calls so you're not missing out on some vital information uh, to help you guys live a happier, healthier, more successful life. Now, without further ado, here is my awesome conversation with Corey Anderson, a.k.a. Overtime. All right, everyone, I've got Corey Overtime here on the podcast. I really appreciate his time and and popping on here on the on the podcast to chat with me for a little bit. Uh, Corey is awesome, uh, just overall individual. He's got a family. He's a he's a fighter in the MMA. Uh, he also is a big hunter. He loves getting outdoors as much as possible. So I'm excited to share this with you guys today. But thanks, Corey, for being on. Uh, who are you in a nutshell? I guess if you if you could, you know, put yourself in a nutshell. I don't know if there's one big enough, but you know, <laughs> what would you want to say to the audience? Like I said, I'm a hunter who fights for a living. You know what I mean, everybody knows me from fighting, but I'd rather be known as a hunter because hunting is something I'll probably do and can do for the rest of my life. As for fighting, the window is just so short. So. I'm using the fighting to get my name out there now in the hunting industry and let people know I'm more than just a fighter. But, you know, people know me as fighting. You know, not many people know about the Instagram and the YouTube for outdoors, but I'm doing everything I can to get that to catch up with the fighting. There you go. No, I appreciate that. That's, uh, you know, 
not a lot of people understand martial arts and the the dedication and the time that it takes to put into that. Uh, same thing with hunting. You know, some people, uh, most people look at tree stand hunters and they're like, man, all you do is sit in a tree and every once in a while a deer walks by and you pop one. But both of those, and then on top of that, having a family. So all of those things take time in and of themselves, let alone those three things being, you know, all part of your life. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. So uh, I guess let's start off with how did you get involved with the outdoors and hunting and in general, did you grow up that way? Did you, were you like me, an adult onset hunter? Uh, you know, how, how did that come into your life? Well, hunting has always been like a part of my family, the outdoors period. Uh, my father's grandfather showed him like rabbit hunting and whatnot. So we grew up, since we were kids, we all had beagles, grew up raising beagles and horses, and we would take the beagles out every Saturday during the hunting season to chase rabbits up and down the train tracks or in a random fields or whatever, shooting rabbits. And uh, then uh, when I was like 12 or 13, we went to this place called Northwest Mall where we used to go eat Chinese food. And it was an archery shop there. I mean, my dad was sitting outside the window with a 3D shot, like when targets going up and going down and watching guys shoot the bow. That's something we had never seen. It was like so interesting. We went in and we watched it for probably like an hour, hour and a half. And the next day, my dad came home with a Matthews bow. And they took me back like two days later and got me a little Browning compound bow. And we was doing it just for 3D. And then uh, he had bought a climber. And I remember I had still never hunted. Didn't know what the climber was for. I was telling one of my teammates, and I was like 15, 16, because I had a license. But some of you, I'm going to the range after this to go shoot my bow. They go, are you getting ready for hunting season? I'm like, hunting season? Yeah, you can hunt with a bow. And uh, yeah, and that's my next day. I went and I, I went him in the morning before school, took my dad's climber out, didn't get in the tree, get, get up in the tree because I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, <laughs> since then, I, haven't, I don't think I've rapid hunted since. I've been just deer hunting and hogging. I do everything my, as I can with my bow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So primarily bow hunter. Now you're, you're a big guy. Um, how tall are you? Six three. Yeah. So you're a big guy. So what, what's your draw length? Uh, 32 and a half. That's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> that's uh, I had to shoot a 30 inch bow, um, or a 30 inch draw bow this weekend because I was borrowing someone's bow and we couldn't adjust it. We didn't have the star bits to adjust it. So, uh, that was, that was interesting. That's two inches longer than my natural draw length so uh that was i was like all stretched out and everything so i can only imagine you know another two and a half inches that's pretty crazy do you have to get custom arrows made as well no um so all the arrows i use killing sticks i'm partnered with killing stick this company in canada and the arrows come 32 inches already so i literally cut it just like an inch off or and the outserts are like an inch and a half so i cut like an inch or inch and a half off it depends on the bro axle axle where it fit and i just cut off a little bit and got that outsert to where it's just, just barely not hitting my drop away, and I'm good. That's awesome. That's 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 pretty cool, man. So you pretty much shoot Lincoln logs, and it's still flying out 300 feet per second. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> I pretty much get a pass through every time. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. So uh, so you you grew up, you know, shooting a bow. You grew up hunting, and then of course, you know, your friends told you you could go out and shoot things with a bow, and you've been hooked ever since. Um, you know, is it, has it always been whitetail? Is there anything else that maybe you're wanting to pursue or is there something about whitetail that's got you hooked on whitetails? I mean, whitetails is the thing I can get to the most 
easiest I guess you could, not most easy, but the easiest I can get to is more common. Like where no matter where I go, usually where I travel, I can get into the woods and get a white tail. So when I travel, it's like two things about with a guy, Dwayne Finley, he's an MMA journalist. He always calls him the backpack kid. Because if you see me traveling, I always got a backpack with training gear ready to go. And now, like, since I've really, really got into hunting, is my backpack, my training gear, and I always got my bow. Like, if I'm on my truck, I got one of my bows in the backseat of my truck at all times, and a training bag. When I fly, I have a case I try to check in. If I have enough space and time, I'll load the bow and take it with me just in case. And it's in the hotel or wherever I am, but if there's an opportunity to get to a range or go somewhere and shoot and hunt, I'll go buy a tag over the counter and get out. So, uh, yeah, I just mostly bow hunt. I like taking my bow, and the whitetail is everywhere I go. It's usually whitetail or blacktail or something over the counter, except for mm-hmm. Iowa or Kansas. Like, something I can go over the counter and go get. As for elk, it's like the peak of elk hunting is always hard to get or draw a tag to a good spot. And, I'm always in fight camp. Like when I buy a tag, I miss it because I'm in fight camp. Mm-hmm. White tail is just one of those things. I can always go somewhere and get an over counter tag and get after them, you know, or a muley or something. So that's why white tail is probably my favorite. No, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense, especially like like we were saying there at the beginning about how you know family and fighting those things they take up a lot of time in and of themselves separately, and then you add hunting into that. I mean. You know, it's no, it's no wonder why they call you over time. You're, you've picked some very time uh, specific hobbies that have now turned into career and passions for you. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. So I guess with, with the outdoors uh, you know, you, you grew up again, hunting and, and bow hunting, but what, what is it that, what is it that draws you out there? Even if you don't see deer consistently, uh, what is it that gets you out there and keeps taking you back out there uh, that, that is so attractive to you? Just the open air, man. The nature is therapy for me. You know, there's so much noise in the world. You drive and people blowing a horn and the bad exhaust and the kids at home crying and your wife wanting you to do a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> like I said, I'm always, I've been working on this building I have on my property every day, just it's always something's got your mind going, but when you're in the outdoors, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing but space and opportunity, literally. Another opportunity for that deer to come, nothing but space just to breathe fresh air. You never know what's going to come through. If I'm hunting urban, somebody might walk through wearing a silly outfit or a homeless guy <laughs> coming through, or you hear that the squirrels hit the leaves and you think of the deer. It's just like, it's just my breath of fresh air, literally. Like today, I went and looked at two properties, the Whitetail properties. And the guy was asking me, I was like, oh, well, it was 155 acres and 90 acres. If you don't mind walking, all I'm going to do, like, no, I would love to walk here because I haven't been in the woods at all this week. It's even my therapy. The longer I'm out here, the happier I'm going to go home. So let's walk every bit of it. And we just out there in the rain. We just was marching away and just being out there with the rain and the up and down and crossing creeks. It was never thing like, oh, this is it's terrible. It was like, man, this is just amazing. Like, it's just a breath of fresh air. Like, everything else has been going on in my life. After the loss of my last fight, whatever, none of it matters when I'm out there. It's like talking to a therapist without saying anything. That's that's awesome. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you on that, man. It's it's different getting out there where you're able to get away from the noise, uh, the lights, the the crying, you know, the the people and and things that need your attention, and you're able to sit out there and just kind of even 
meditate in a way, get, get work yourself through all the things that are going on in your life. Uh, and you're able to, like you were saying, take a breath of fresh air, literally while you're out there. Uh, but that that's awesome, man. So, um, you know, with, with you having so many things going on and you're constantly, you know, go, go, go. What, I guess with, with mixed martial arts, where did that start? Did you start, like, I know a lot of people that start wrestling in, you know, junior high or even before that, and that transitions into MMA. Um, where did your journey start with mixed martial arts? Uh, I started wrestling in third grade. It's my brother, the freshman in high school, when he started. And I want to do everything my brother did. So since he started, I did it. And uh, it wasn't until like later on in my life, I really got serious with it. Probably like my junior year in high school, I finally got serious. And then college, when I really met the guy, I'm actually, the reason I moved to Indiana to come out here and work with him as a college coach, uh, he really be, like molded me into the athlete and the hardworking person I am, the overtime everybody sees. And then with that attitude of what I did through college, you know, um, Ben Askren ended up being a coach of mine my senior year. At the time, he was the Bellator champion. And uh, after wrestling, I took second in nationals, and he brought me to his MMA gym. And, that was it. Never wrestled again after that. It was fighting. Here I am. That's awesome, man. So, with with that being said, you know, you started wrestling in and of itself. That that's a that's a, a tough sport. Um, I didn't do it myself. I've got my son into uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Definitely not the same as as wrestling. When he gets older and he's in junior high, I'll probably put him in, or even before that, I'll get him in some wrestling clubs around here because it's so. I guess disciplined. It it's it adds another level of discipline to uh to your life. It takes a lot of skill to be able to cut weight or to train day in and day out. The conditioning that wrestlers do, I mean, it's just a, on a whole nother level. And then you took that up even another notch and went to this MMA gym and started training after you've won uh quite a few times. You you uh you went to this MMA gym and started training there. Now, what I guess why did you want to take that up a notch? Like you have this consistent theme in your life where you're like, okay, you know, I want to start with a bow. Now I'm a bow hunter. I absolutely love bow hunting. And then you're, you start wrestling because of your older brother, but then you take that up a notch, you start winning. Right. And then on top of that, you go and you take it into MMA so that you create a career out of that. What is it that made you want to continue down that path rather than just saying, Oh, I'm good. I've won some national titles. I'm good to go. Um, I actually didn't want to uh, fight, to be honest. Been asking, like I said, when he got me to the MMA gym, he had just sent me the address. He didn't say me the name of the gym. He said, meet me here. And I thought it was, I was training for the Junior Olympics at the time. And since so him being an Olympic wrestler, I figured he could help me out. And uh, it just happened to be an MMA gym. And I actually didn't try it the first day. When I came back and tried it, I happened to be good at it. And in my mind, it was like, I'm just going to do it as a hobby. Something to say I've done. I had an MMA fight or two, whatever, and go back into coaching college wrestling and doing what I really wanted to do. And I was just, after the first fight, like, yo, you got to fight again, right? You're going to fight again. And I got out 13 seconds. And after the second fight, it was another down and be like, yo, you going to keep doing this, right? Like, in my mind, I just want to do two fights until I did it. And I remember going back at the time I was coaching college wrestling. And I remember going back to a dorm room. I was staying in the dorms. And just talking to myself in the mirror and with lights off saying, yo, we're really going to do this or are we going to just do it as a hobby? Like, is we going to be serious about this? And I thought about, like, I could get to where I really want to be in life, like with more money, financial freedom and stuff. If I, if I take this serious and get really good, if I can do this. And uh, I made up my mind then, like, all right, well, 
Everybody swear I'm so good at it. If I'm not good, I'm going to go ahead and give it an opportunity and see what comes up. We're going to give it everything we got until it's just we realize it ain't for us and we'll walk away and just it just came to be. It was really something for me. Everything people were saying, people say it all the time, like, yo, you could be in the UFC in three fights. I had three different coaches tell me that. You could be in the UFC in three fights. And I thought they were just talking trash. But in three fights, I was on the ultimate fighter. And I ended up winning that was in the UFC. So I guess for the thing to keep giving me going is uh success, you know. You always wanna just uh like after I killed those big deer in in Kansas, I was telling my wife, like, I think it's definitely time I go elk hunting. She's like, What do you mean? Well, usually like when I'm shooting deer, even when I shoot a doe or a fawn, like I shake uncontrollably. It's like something I can't control, it's just the fact of shooting. But when I shot those the deer before I shot the buck in Jersey, I shook a little bit still. When I shot that big buck, and as big as that buck was, I didn't shake like I usually shake. Like, I was excited, but I wasn't, like, shaking uncontrollably. I think it's my body telling it's time to go to the next level. It's like, mm-hmm. I got to just got to do something else more exciting. It's like that chasing the high. And that, mm-hmm. they always, they start, they become an addict because they first high is never the same. The second high is not like the first. The third is not like the first. And you're doing everything you can, so you start going more and more and more, and that's when people overdose. But they find a new drug. I feel like that's kind of like what it is for me. Like wrestling, yeah, I fell short, took second. I didn't win the nationals. I could have kept going and then fighting with just that new drug. It was a new high, that same exciting, exhilarating feeling you get when I step in that cage or on the mat with one person. I'm literally just dominating. And it's not just wrestling. I'm actually punching somebody in. Like, there's nothing he can say. Like, oh, we fight. I can beat you. And now we're fighting. And it shows you can't beat me. Mm-hmm. And it was just that new exhilarating thing. And I think just the fact is just to get you to be the best in that. It's like mm-hmm. going right now. So my wife after the last fight, I fought for the title last week and I fell short. And uh I told like I can see why guys like older guys stay in this sport for so long. Like way past a due date because or the expiration date is because when you have a fight like that and you see you were so close, no matter how old you are, you feel like if I go in there, I could do it better. And you just stay in as long as you can to get back to that title fight. And you get the opportunity, you lose again by another split decision. If something happens, you know, I got to get it. You just, you got to get to that next high. And I feel like that's just, that's what got me to the point I am now was I had to find something that could reach that same adrenaline rush I had every morning, stepping on the mat, getting off the mat, on the bus to a tournament, way in a tournament, to the time I step on the mat at a tournament. I had to get that same feeling of something like it was fresh and I was fighting. It's every fight. It's that same thing. It's that nervousness. Every time I get in there, just don't know what's going to happen. The excitement. That's awesome, man. No, that, that, that's really cool. So, so just kind of to backtrack here a little bit, because I really like your story, man. I, I really do. I love what you've done, what you've accomplished. And that's why I wanted you to come on here to share it with other people, because you, I love when there's athletes that have, that are as accomplished as you are also in love with the outdoors and it seems to be for this very similar reasons that it's a, that breath of fresh air where you can take a step back, where you can turn off the noise, uh, but also you're chasing that high. And uh, it's the same reason why people keep going back for elk or whatever it is, even though you may not get the animal that hunt, you're like, I'm already ready for next year. I'm ready. I'm chasing it. Right. And so when you, you so you were coaching at that point uh when you stepped on the MMA or in the MMA gym you were coaching college wrestling correct when i first started training i wasn't but what's what i started in march and i took off to coach in june or july okay so 
But before I fought, before I had a fight, I was coaching. So by the time I fought, I was in my second year of coaching. And it was just like, right, I got this is it. I got to pursue this. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, so you were coaching college wrestling and then you went in and you started training for, well, I guess you started training for MMA and then you went to college coaching, which was at the time kind of your, your dream. Like that's what you were wanting to pursue. Correct. Mm -hmm. That was a dream job. When I graduated college, I wanted to be a, a world champion wrestling coach. I wanted to coach national champs. That's all I wanted to do. That's awesome. Was there a specific type of wrestling that you preferred? Was it freestyle? Was it Greco? What was the college wrestling? I just loved the the fact that like you don't get paid much, but the reward that these kids would give you, you know, and uh, that was the biggest thing. And it was it's crazy because I made a deal with my heavyweight that year as a heavyweight coach. Like if you win this national tournament, nobody knows this yet. But if you win national tournament, I'm done coaching. And I'm gonna go chase the UFC go. You win your nationals, and I'm gonna go get mine. And he won, and he came up to me and said, "All right, coach, now it's your turn. Thank you for everything." And then. Uh, the ironic thing about it, I haven't seen that kid since 2014 when he won nationals. When he showed up at my fight, the title fight. He happened to be there. He came That's to the hotel and called me after the fight. So he like that kind of touched me, the fact that I didn't fulfill my end of the goal. But I, I did get to that point where I told him, like, you get yours, I'm going to go get mine. Mm -hmm. And for him to be there, the only fight he's ever seen of mine, he was at the world championship fight. And so that was kind of dope. That that is amazing. So you obviously impacted this this young man's life to the point where he remembered you and he wanted to come back and support you in the same way that you you showed support for him. That's that's awesome. So you were pursuing one passion and then something else popped up. You went all in 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 the MMA. Now, just for people that don't understand the the time dedication, the training that it takes for MMA, like it's cool to watch the UFC. It's cool to watch you know Bellator. And, and just to put it up on the screen, I mean, some people get really upset about the fights where there, there's a lot of jujitsu or wrestling going on. Whereas for me, I don't have a ton of training, but I know enough to understand how technical it is. And that even though you may not be moving or throwing punches, there's a lot going through your mind, through your opponent's mind, and just little slight motions that are happening there on the mat. Um, what, I guess, what's your favorite style of, uh, I mean, do you prefer to be on your feet? Do you prefer to be on the ground uh, wrestling? Have you picked up maybe like jujitsu better? Is there something that maybe you've picked up that you you prefer as far as the style? No, my go-to is always going to be wrestling. You know, uh, everybody, even to this day in the UFC, nobody's breaking my takedown record at two, two, uh, my takedown record at two hundred and five pounds. That's just that was me. I was a takedown master. You know, I, I to be honest, I. I have four fights or five fights in Bellator now, and I probably have. I'm close to the top of the 205 takedowns there. It's just the last fight was the only fight I didn't get a takedown. I shot a bunch, and he just he worked on his defense really well. But I can do just about everything. I'm good at everything, but I'm great at wrestling, and that's always going to be my go-to. Like I can go in there and fall in love with my hands or fall in love with a kick and go against a guy that was a professional boxer or a professional kickboxer, and it cost me. But if I go in there and wrestle – I don't have to worry about anybody out wrestling me. I just know that'll never happen. It just says I'm not gonna say never, but I know the likelihood of that happening is very small be just because I feel I am the best MMA wrestler in the game. Yep. No, that's that's amazing, man. So you so you've stayed at that weight class pretty much your entire career. I mean, I was heavyweight before I got into UFC, mm -hmm. but yeah, after I got to UFC, I went light heavyweight. I've been there the whole time. Man, light heavyweights are that's probably one of my favorite 
uh, weight classes to watch because there's just this nasty combination of speed and power. Like heavyweights, there's a lot of power behind it, but when you get into that light heavyweight or uh, the weight class just below that, remind me what that one's called. Yeah, so between those two, they're my favorite weight classes to watch just for that very reason. There's a ton of speed and a ton of power going into those moves, everything that you guys are doing in, in the ring. So um, just, I guess, for you, is is it a pursuit of that, the win that gets you coming back? Do you enjoy the training? Is it a mix of both? Uh, walk me through that, I guess, because there's some brutal training that you guys go through. How do you get through, I guess a better question would be, how do you get through that brutal training on a day-to-day basis as you're going through fight camp and even before that, just prepping for a fight? I mean, just knowing why you're doing it. You know what I mean? If you lose focus on why you're doing it, it's those guys that see they just start skipping practice because they don't want to beat their body up. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm sore. I'm not going to go, oh, I don't feel well today. Like I'm back to coaching college wrestling again. I was my first year back in the college room. One of my guys, they go, oh, I feel like crap, coach. just... I don't really want to be here. So that's good. I mean, you can get the most out of the day then. <laughs> like, what? Like, the days you don't want to be here are the days you're going to get the most out of it. Because when you come back and you feel great, you're going to feel phenomenal. Because you did this already when you feel like crap. He looked at me with a long face, like, let's go. Pick it up. Change your energy. Let's go. <laughs> he was so confused. But that's just, that's it. In camps, when I'm beat up, my back hurt, my shoulders hurt, my knee hurt, whatever it is, I can sit at home all day and just have my ice and rest all day. There is a time where you need to rest because you'll get hurt. But those days you don't feel like going are the days I know I need it the most. It's like, that's the day I'm going and I have to focus. I'm going to really pay attention to the detail. I can't get away with just feeling good and performing good and just being athletic and fast and strong. Like, I feel like crap. So I'm going to be super slow today. So everything had to be very technical. I'm going against Rex. I'm going against Carl. I'm going against somebody super strong, Leon. He's got stuff so like, I can't just out-scramble these guys. That I have to worry about my technique. And that is what keep you going. It's like, these are the days I need. Because come fight time, all of that going to add up. Like my coach always said, every time you work out, you put a quarter in the jaw. And by the time you get to the fight, or well, one day they make every fighter dump out their jaw, your jaw should overflow everybody's. Because you never took any days off and you did more than everybody else, even when you feel like you didn't want to go. And that's just the mindset. It's like when you beat up and you you wait, you're struggling out of bed, like, oh, I get up that morning, like, oh, my God. I'm going to get up. And I sit up. I look at my phone. I like, oh, well, it's that time. My alarm says, it's time to be great. It reads the girl, time to be great. Like, hey, it's that time. Let's get up. Let's go. Let's go. It's only going to last so long. Tomorrow, we won't be as sore. Tomorrow, we might not be as tired. But let's get over it today. And we worry about tomorrow tomorrow. Just keep doing like it. Keep doing it to be the best. Yeah. No, I like that mindset, man. So, you know, just taking taking it one day at a time. You know, that that's that's – simplifying it so you're not overthinking you're not thinking two weeks three weeks four weeks ahead maybe when you're setting goals but at in the moment you're living there you're being present i think that's so key and for people that are high achievers like yourself i've noticed that that's a that's a consistent theme uh that you don't worry about the future you plan for it you don't worry about it and you're living in the moment you're making sure that you're putting those investments in that quarter into the jar every single day uh, and maybe even more than that every single day. So you can make sure you overflow when it is time to perform. That's pretty awesome. I love that, that idea and that analogy. Um, so for what is, what would be your reason why, I mean, you've mentioned you obviously want to win. You want to be the, be the greatest, right? But what is that to you? I mean, what, 
what is your reason for taking for living in the moment and putting those investments in every single day uh whether it be again in your family hunting or in fighting i mean before i had a family it was just to be successful you know i mean one of my favorite songs i slice to the trey songs i wanted i just gotta be successful that was the lyric i just gotta be i just gotta be successful then when i had a family it all changed it was more than just being successful it was living a life and laying out they say legacy you know people call it legacy by titles and wins and all that my legacy is to be something my kids can look back at one day. I tell all the time. Everything I do, buying land, winning, fighting, training, working all day, being overtime in a hole is for my kids. So one day when they get older, they're not going to be entitled and expect anything to be given to them. They know, okay, well, I've seen my dad do it. So it's like, it's not going to be a chore with somebody. Oh, you got to do this. Like, okay, I've been doing it with my dad my whole life. My dad did the same thing. I understand. That's how life works. And then on top of that, when they can look back and say, like, people going to, bring their father's name up, even if they don't understand what their father did, if people are like, yo, your dad was like one of the hardest working guys I ever know. Your dad was one of the hard, like long as I'm going, man, I used to be in the gym with your dad and just, just watching him train was just something motivating. And it's like, uh, I had a moment of this, but one of the first guys I trained with in Springfield, Illinois in 2013, when I first got to Lincoln or 2012, when I got to Lincoln, he's the ref now. And I was commentating at a fight and one of my actual athletes was fighting on that card. One of my wrestlers was fighting on that card. We was talking. And the ref came up and said, man, y'all have no clue. I remember when this guy came to the gym in 2012, the whole gym said, this dude, the way he worked, we knew he was going to be something. We said, like, everybody sat back and watched him work and said, that kid, this is his first day in here, and he's going to be the one to make it out of everybody. And just to sit there and hear him say that and see my athlete's face, like, dang, that's crazy, coach. And it's just like, that's what I want for my kids one day. They see one of my athletes who I love and watch grow now to the one day see my kids really watch and grow into it. And like I said, one day when I'm long gone, that'll be something that bump into something like, oh, you Corey Anderson's son? Oh, man, your dad was. This is, no, you Corey Anderson's daughter? Oh, sweet, your dad was like one of the nicest, kindest, hardworking guy. I was like, it was nothing he couldn't do. It's just, so that's what I do everything I do for, you know? So one day my kids can look back, whether we share stories or somebody sharing a story with them about me it'd be something they can walk around with a smile on my face like man that's my dad they talk about so that's why i do everything i do now awesome that's a great reason man i i really do respect that because that's that's something that you know and you can hear it in your voice you can see it in your face when you talk about just that idea of of them hearing that about you as their dad you know that that that's a huge thing when you become a dad you know you want your kids to learn the good work ethic. You don't want them to be spoiled. You don't want them to be entitled. Even if you are as successful as you are, you don't want to just give them handouts. You want them to learn that, that, you know, that hardship of overcoming obstacles and getting what they want and going after it. And then of course, having that, uh, you know, just the, the work ethic. And so I think that's, that's great. And it's cool because, you know, I was telling people I was going to be having you on the podcast and they're like, Oh yeah. Overtime. Yeah. He's just, you know, and they were just talking about how, they love your fight style, but they also love what you post on social media and how uh, how oriented you are towards not just fighting. You're not just a fighter. You know, you enjoy the family aspect of it, too, and getting in the outdoors. So you're you're making it happen, man. That legacy is happening. Whatever you want to call it. I know you were saying legacy or or the whatever other word you want to use for it. But you are making that happen. And I think that's that's awesome. That's a big accomplishment. So 
with I, I do want to ask just out of curiosity for for me, uh, being such a high level fighter, how do you turn it off when you get home? How do you turn it off when you know when you're not in in the ring or in the cage or you're not on the mat or you're not you know just training in general or in the fight? Like what? How do you do that? How do you turn that off? You don't. You just put energy in something else. Like I said, this is my little in-laws being here. If my family wasn't here, I'd be out in the shop. I've been in the shop all week from 7 a.m. to midnight, 1 o'clock, and wake up and do it again. And then I also take a break from doing that to go coach from 3.45 to 6. But once I come back, I eat dinner. It's been 10 minutes with my kids. I'm back out doing something. That's just – that's why they call me overtime. I drive my wife crazy because even after the fight, right after the fight, I went back home, got my hunting stuff up, went to the tree stand next day. Are you kidding me? You just got back. Like, yeah. I hunted two days out in Jersey, loaded the truck, the trailer, got in the truck, drove 10 and a half hours, got here, went to a hunting property the next morning. She's like, are you kidding me? Went hunting again the next morning and packed up, went to Canada. She's like, cool. Like, you just fought. You did camp. Sit still. Like, I can't. That's just not how I, I can't sit still. If I sit still, I'm going to fall asleep. And the time I'm sleeping, I could have been getting something done. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm running at 100 miles an hour all day long. And it's like what I, the same energy I put into my training to be the best, I do in everything. Like I have a YouTube channel. I don't have a producer. I don't have an editor. I do it all myself. Right here in the same spot I'm at, I'll be in here many nights. There's nothing to do outside. I'm editing content, and I'm going to do it until I'm going to be the best at it. And that's just that's just part, like a Kobe Bryant thing. Kobe Bryant wouldn't do anything just to do it. He's going to be the best. It's the mama mentality. And that's just everything I do, shooting my boat. Hunting. I'm constantly asking questions. My wife is a DeQuisto, along with custom gear. So whenever we get back home and I'm around Andre or Cody or even her dad, Pete, I'm asking questions, like picking the brains of the greats of what they did. How can I get there? But I'm around GSP, Frankie Yeager, Kamar Usman, different champions in MMA. Same thing. I'm asking questions. I'm on the road. I'm listening to the Joe Rogan podcast with different champions, picking their brains. Studying film, it's like, it's hard to turn it off because when you turn it off, when I turn it off, there's nothing, there's not much else. I mean, I can't say there's much else in my life, but I don't know how to do anything mediocre. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do it 100%. I've done photo shoots before where they try to spray me down with water to make it look like I sweat, and I just start working on hard. Like, yo, it's a shoot. You don't have to do it. Like, I can't. I can't just fake the funk for the pictures. I got to give you the real thing. I'm actually mm-hmm. living. Tips. I'm gonna do real sprints and everything. Like, yo, you can wear yourself out. Like, that's okay. I'll worry about that later. We're gonna make these pictures <laughs> look as real as possible. Like, I just can't walk, go through the motions or anything. So, you don't turn it off. You just learn how to take that same energy and put it into another obstacle, another goal, or something else that you're doing. And it's a, I don't want to turn it off. Like, again, it's another thing I want my kids to see. It's like, I feel bad at times because I don't get to spend as much time with my kids as I could with the career I had, but at the same time, my kids would come outside, well, whatever I'm doing, I'm working in the building, working on my truck, working on a motorcycle, fixing something, building my gym, building my bowl shop, and they sit there and they can watch me do it and just know at the end of the day, when it's their turn, like, I thought I could let my dad be successful. I mean, that's where I got it from. My father's a workaholic. I don't do what he do, but I work at what I do the same way he does. It's just for him to make it to where he is, he's a successful business owner, he never stopped. And I see other people around him. He was the youngest of 10, and his family ain't successful. That's because they all sitting around. I mean, they all living, they're doing well, but they don't have their own businesses. 
because they didn't work like he worked. So I want to be like my dad. Or I want to be like this. I want to be successful. So we're just going to work at everything. There's no time assist here. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I definitely understand that. Um, you know, just always taking the energy and putting it elsewhere, not necessarily turning it off. I think that's a great, uh, great thing for, for people to understand as well. Cause I, I personally do wonder about that, you know, with, with fighters and, and being able to shut off that aggression and, and, and shut off that energy level, but it makes more sense just channeling it, like basically shutting off the, you know, channeling it into training and shutting it in or pushing it towards something else. Uh, whether it be working on your property or or with your family, putting it all in on the stuff that you're working on at that time, or even into hunting. So I think that's a great answer. I I I think that's awesome. Uh, great mindset to have. So what I guess with with your I guess outside of training, what are your career aspirations? You're back at coaching in college, which is again amazing. Uh, is that something that you're wanting to move towards, uh, your career or is there something else that you're kind of aiming for? I mean, I got three goals and three plans. I plan on doing them all. Be a successful college wrestling coach, opening my own gym and getting in the outdoors industry and be known in the outdoors industry. Like I was known in fighting, you know, I'm going to start slow. I started from the bottom. Nobody that put my name out there. I just started a YouTube channel, started filming and it's slowly, but surely, but growing, but People are growing. They started a new one. I'm going to keep just chipping away until that grows. Same thing is going to go with the coaching. Like right now, they just not realizing Corey Anderson's back in the coaching. I had one kid when I was coaching this weekend. He was wrestling one of my kids, and he turned around and looked at me in the corner, and he double took, and I was trying to look at his coach like, yo, that's Corey Anderson. <laughs> and I was like, yo, pay attention. Don't worry about me. But eventually, everybody's going to know, like, dang, Corey Anderson's out here. He's serious. Like I told my kid the other day, I came back and I turned down a salary because I still have dedications for fighting, but I love coaching. And I'm going to do everything I can to give these kids my attention like a full-time coach and don't take any of the money because I'm just going to show you guys how serious I am. I'm that dedicated. The same thing, go and open my gym. It'll be the same thing. I'll find a way to spend time in the gym. My wife ran two MMA gyms before so she can help go to coach. And then go hunt or hunt in the morning, go to the gym, go coach. But I'm going to do all three. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to do them successfully because that's just my mindset. I, I just won't accept failure. Failure only comes when you stop. And I don't plan on quitting in no time. So That's amazing. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool, man. I, I love the idea of you having a gym. And, you know, looking at it from a younger child's perspective or a young man's perspective, and that kid taking that double take, I mean, that just goes to show they understand who you are. And that's got to be a big impact and that's got to make them want to listen to you even more as you're training them. Yeah. You can imagine, or you were in that situation where you had some champions that were pulling you towards them and like inviting you kind of in, uh, not really tricking you, but kind of tricking you into MMA, you know, when you thought he was helping you out with wrestling and he brought you into the MMA gym, uh, he knew your potential and you're doing the same thing with these kids. You're just returning that back to them. I think that's, that's amazing. Uh, so then the idea of, you know, so you got coaching, you got wanting to be in the outdoors industry and have a name for yourself, which you obviously do. Um, you, I guess, shifting back over towards your hunts this year, you went out to Kansas, you killed a stud of a buck. Um, I, congratulations on that. That's a big deal. Um, I have yet to kill a whitetail, but that whitetail looked as big as some of the muleys that we have out here. Uh, where where did you end up going for that? But I guess we said Kansas, but um, 
you had a, a buck and a doe tag. Uh, did you have a certain buck in mind? I know some people have target bucks in mind or how did that work out? No. So uh, I went out there at White Shark Properties. one of my sponsors for fighting, Peter Alfano. He's a big MMA fan. And uh, he invited me out a while ago. He invited me and T-Bone out together. And we all know what happened with T-Bone and everything going on with his legs. So he just wasn't ready to start traveling yet. So I went out there on my own. And he told me, like, yo, we got a bunch of shooter books out here. And they took me to a spot. It was the first time the spot was ever sat in. He said, we got cameras over there. We pulled the cameras a few times. Some big shooter books been there. Nobody's been there yet. You can go ahead and pick whichever one. Long as I had a cameraman who actually worked for White Hill Property, so he knew what was like on the hit list and what wasn't. And like he told, like he said, "Yo, I haven't had to sit here with this many deer ever because never been touched. It was a spot that haven't been hunted, and the deer was just coming through just because it was unpressured. It was in the middle of thick stuff. It was cruising through a ton of does. You see a buck come chasing the doe, be a small buck, and another buck bigger than him will come, and a big monster buck will come. And the first day." I was being picky, you know. I'll say that I, I have four or five different shooters come by. I'm like, ah, I'll wait for another one. It looked like, are you crazy? Like, this is a big deer, but it was it was my first day there, and I heard they had some big deer in Kansas. I just kind of wanted to see what all would come. But I told myself the next day, like, if I was in Jersey, that first little small buck that came out would have been shot. Like, I've always can't remember what Hunter said, but he said, if you were shooting on your last day, don't pass up on it on your first day. You know what? That's the monster. The first big one that comes out, I'm shooting. But just so happened, the one big one came in, and you heard another one come in blowing, ready to fight. And then he came in and pushed that one off. Another big one came in to push him, and it happened to be the one that shot, like all within 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> so it worked out perfect. Like I didn't have to wait, and I got to shoot the first one, well, one of the first ones that came in. That's amazing. So you got to watch them, you know, in their rut action while they were fighting. They were kind of going after each other um that's always fun to watch you know seeing them coming all puffed up and like you were saying they're blowing and and uh getting after each other um that 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 gets that gets my heart pumping watching mule deer and, and elk do that as well um so so you got i mean you're sitting up there you passed the first day which makes sense i mean you had a couple days to hunt so and you knew these deer were coming in consistently i I wouldn't have gotten upset for you passing those deer, to be honest with you, because that's I, I get the fact that you wanted to be out there as much as possible with how little you're able to be out there based on fight camp and everything else going on. Um, so you're sitting out there, you're watching these bucks pass. Did you get do you usually get the shakes before or after you shoot? Uh, like I get nervous. I can tell like usually I'm getting set up to draw. It's like mm. I start thinking about the shots and just draw back, anchor, nose to the string. So the pin, but it's like I'm going to get my release hook. I start fumbling with stuff. It's like <laughs> that's what happened. Like trying to get my release hook. Like why can I not? No, I'm like oh my god. And then I can't keep the arrow. Like the arrow like fall off off the rest. Like yo, what is going on? Once I get up and draw, it's like okay. So there's been times like I've been rushing and I close the wrong eye. Like why can I see my peak? <laughs> it's like what is going on? But this time I didn't have the wrong eye. I just was struggling to get the. The D loop hook, I can't get it, can't get it, but I end up getting it in time before he's got out of there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Did he? Uh, so you're you're able to watch him fight. You had that that fun, and then, uh, um, so you 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 shot him, and then did you get down immediately, or did you have to wait a little bit and let it, and then go track him? Well, we were in a blind, and like I said, it was mm. probably, but they started coming in within like 
45 minutes after we got in there. Wow. So we had plenty of time to sit. Like even if I had already killed both my deer, I was gonna sit until as long as I could just to watch the deer come through. But like after we got the buck, I looked at the cameraman like, should we sit and get the doe? Like, yeah, we're gonna wait for the doe to come through. <laughs> and actually, it took me a lot longer to get the doe than it did to get the buck because there was a bunch of different does coming through, cruising with their smaller fawns. It was like mm-hmm. this one spike that we think something's wrong with. Because even when we got in there, we bumped, bumped him up and he just stood there and watched get into the blind and he came back. And he just kept <laughs> just sitting there and watching. Every time a deer would come here, like start chasing the little does and was scaring them. So every time a doe would come, I got him about to shoot. I go to draw, that spike would come out of nowhere and start chasing them off. <laughs> so he did that for like 45, 50 minutes. Every time a doe come in, he would come out of nowhere and chase the deer off. Like, yo, where is he coming from? Like, get him out of here. Like, I'm about to shoot him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, eventually he was going chasing one and another one came in behind when he ran. I was finally able to get my shot on her. That's awesome. So uh, Whitetail, Whitetail Properties, I've seen some of their stuff. Uh, do they, do they sell properties? Do they, is it something that, you know, they guide on their properties or they do a little mix of both? So the owner I know is Pete, is multiple owners. Pete, he started, I don't know, he was what makes someone he started from what the conversation I gave with him, like he started originally. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell properties. So like today I said, I was out looking through properties with those guys, white tail properties, like a, a realtor, they sell properties or houses, they sell just houses or just, just land, farmland, whatever. But uh, also they have, like in Kansas where we were at, it was a big, what's it called? Uh, Southern Fly Outfitter or something. It's like an outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't guide you. They just take your spot, drop you off, and you stay in their lodge. And you pay mm-hmm. to go hunt. Obviously, I didn't pay. It was like a sponsor thing, part of the sponsorship. But, uh, yeah, the day I left, it was a group of people to come in. Just, they say we come in. People come in all the time, year-round. We in camp or uh, in deer camp, it's loaded. They do mm-hmm. bird hunts, turkey hunts, do all kinds of different hunts. So they it's like pretty action packed year round, whatever's in season. So they do pretty much everything. That's awesome. So they so they basically they maintain the property. They do the food plots. They do the you know they they put the cameras out and they maintain it as a hunting property, pretty much. Yeah, there are okay. places that they use for outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, I'll have to look into their stuff a little bit more. I'm I'm definitely looking at getting into uh some whitetail hunting here in the next couple of years and um we'll see how that goes. But I'd, I'd definitely be interested in that. So I'll have to look at that the whitetail uh whitetail properties guys. Um so with with your talking about the I guess the adrenaline rush, the the shakes, whatever you want to call it, um, how does that compare with when you're getting into the ring? or I'm using the wrong terminology here. Uh, the, when you're going to fight, what's the, sorry, go ahead. The cage. Get the cage. There we go. When you're getting into the cage versus when you see that big buck that, you know, you want to shoot. Um, what's the, is there a difference for you? Um, no, same. It's all the same. I tell people all the time. Like, why do you love shooting a bow more than hunt or shooting a gun? Like, because shooting a bow, hunting with a bow, and martial arts go hand in hand because, you know, you can shoot a gun once a year and you go out in that field. It's it's pretty, if you got that deer sitting broadside out 300 yards, your gun is sighted in. And you know how to shoot a gun. You most likely going to shoot. But with that bow, 
that doe can come in, a deer, buck, whatever, come in within 20 yards. And if you ain't been practicing, you'll miss because your anchor ain't the same. You don't have the right technique. Your fatigue is set in. When you draw back, you can't hold back long enough if they're not giving you a shot. If a deer coming in close, you got to be drawn before they get in front of you. They're going to see you draw. That's where a gun. I just got to get behind the scope and pull the trigger. The same thing with fighting. If I don't practice, when I go into the fight, if I take a fight without practicing, again, I'm not going to last long because I don't have the condition. I don't have the muscle muscle conditioning to make it more than a round. If I didn't practice the technique, I'm not going to know what I'm doing. I'm going to be all over the place. My timing is going to be off, and this guy who's training is going to tear me up. The guy I'm going against is that buck. The buck is trying to bust me and not let me get the shot. My opponent is trying to catch me and not let me get my shot on him. He's going to hit me. He's trying to hit me before I hit him or defeat me before I can defeat him. That buck, they come in on high alert. They trying to defeat the hunter, come in, feed in the food plot, get the corn, the bait, or get to the dough, whatever they're trying to do without getting shot. And when they know somebody's there, they're going to be smart, but they're going to be cautious. They're going to do everything they can to figure out how to get downwind, blow, let you know I'm there, and then go somewhere else. I come in another way, and you don't see them. It's the same. It all goes same the same. Shooting the bow, getting the anchor, nose and shrink, so the pin, find that bullseye. Same thing with striking. Hands up. Keep my head moving. Find my target. See my target. All right, here it go. Pull the trigger. Boom, let it go. So it all goes hand in hand. And the same thing with the nervous system. I'm walking down that walkway to the cage. That's when I'm getting nervous. That's when I'm fumbling. Like sometimes I trip going up to the stage. Sometimes I like I start slowing, walking real slow because I'm nervous. I don't want to get there. You know, I, I get there and I'm getting ready to go in. I'm like, yo, which way do I go? Left or right? I know where I go. I do this all the time. But at the time, you just, you're so nervous. Same thing when that buck come in. I've been shooting every day of the week, all season. I've been shooting year long. So that doe, deer come in, doe, buck, whatever it is, you think it's going to be second nature to draw. But it's always like you start thinking about it. Okay, I got to get my book. I got to get my book. Move slow, move slow. Like, all right, so I got to get my other D-loop. Oh, come on. Come on, hook. Why can't I get it? Why can't I get it? But when ain't no deer there, I can hook that D-loop over, unhook it, hook it. Mm-hmm. Unhook it, hook it. Just bored. Not even look. Do it. When that deer come in, I can't find it for nothing. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm nervous. I draw back. I'm closing the wrong eye. Like, yo, what am I doing? My nose button is down here. Not on my nose. It's, it's just because that adrenaline. And then when it's time to sink that shot in, once I got everything set, it's like, all right, it's time to go. Just pull it through. And it happens every time. Been a bullseye all season. Same thing with fight. Once you get in that cage, you're nervous, you're walking back and forth, they're introducing you. And the ref comes like, oh, are you ready? Are you ready? You hear him drop that pin in the gate. King. And I'll say, hit that switch. Like, all right, it's time to go. The nerves are gone. Now we're just going to do what we've done over and over and over. It's muscle memory. And then when it's all over, said and done, if you win, you got that excitement. You jump up on the cage. You start, ah. same thing. You shoot that book. Yo, I got him. Yeah, I got that. there. Yeah, I got him. Mm-hmm. I got the camera. Yell at the camera, man. We definitely high-fiving in the cage. I'm high-fiving, hugging my coaches. When you lose, you got that same loss of defeat. Like, dang, I should have got a loss. And then mm-hmm. you miss that deer. It's like, ah, I shot low or ah. I forgot to move my pin to 30. He was at 30. I was shooting 20 pin or oh, I didn't have my anchor set or something. It's just the same highs and the same lows. So for mm-hmm. me, mixed martial arts and archery hunting go hand to hand. That's amazing. You know, that that's and that that's something that a lot of people don't get to hear, you know, from again, the the high-level athletes like yourself. And uh, 
you know, I've never been at that level, but I do understand like, whether it be with public speaking, you get those same butterflies right there at the beginning, you start kind of second guessing yourself. Same thing when you're shooting, you know, you shoot every day, you shoot multiple, multiple arrows a day. And then all of a sudden you get up in the mountain or you get in that tree stand and that deer's right there or that elk is right there. And you're just like, Oh man, you, you know, you're like, Oh, where's the release? Oh man, I can't find this. Oh, I'm supposed to range them. Right. You know, you do all this stuff and it's just, it's, it's so different and it's good that you train because then it, when it does actually kick in, you're ready to go. But there's always those moments where, you know, maybe you could have done something a little bit different. Maybe you could have trained this a little bit different. And uh, that's definitely something that happens whenever you have a miss, you know, out there, or uh, maybe you wound an animal, which is something that a lot of people don't talk about. And it's an unfortunate thing that goes along with any kind of hunting. Uh, but bow hunting, there's such a small window of success. You know, you have to hit right in the right spot for it to be a good ethical kill. And um, so I definitely understand that, man. That's it's cool to hear though, from someone again, like you, that's such a high athlete or high achieving athlete that you have, you still get those jitters. You still get those butterflies, but like you were saying, you're starting to kind of overcome those with whitetail and you're ready to move on to elk. Have you ever gone out elk hunting? Nope. I've had what three or four tags in my life since I've been fighting, but just, just so happened with my fight career, all my fights, they always book most of my fights in a year, your hunting season. Like, I always mm -hmm. get called during hunting season. Like, yo, why do y'all always do this? Like, <laughs> open day, I'm always in camp. Or when my elk tag is up, bro, I got a guy that's going to take me to Montana. Or mm -hmm. a hunt in Utah that I was planning on going to a group. It's like, oh, right in the middle of fight camp. When I'm in fight camp, I just can't leave. I got to stay focused. Got to stay locked in. Yeah. Tag goes to waste every time. Mm. Man, that's rough. And, uh, I mean, I guess, how do you make that decision? if you're sitting in there just cause you know that right now you need to provide for your family, for your career, or, I mean, what, what is it that goes through your mind when you're, when you've had to give up those tags? Cause I'm sure you've had some great tags. Yeah, I mean, I got to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. I'm going to do say, so, Oh, I'm not going to worry about the fight. Camp. I'm going to leave fight camp and go be unprepared for a week and just go hunt. No, well, yeah, it's great therapy. But at the same time, if you want to be the best, you got to focus on your trade. You know what I mean? Like, if it's eight weeks out from the fight, then yeah, that's different. But it just mm -hmm. so happens all mine are like two, three, within that five-week range, five weeks mm -hmm. to fight. And those are the most important weeks. Those are your peak weeks. Those are the ones you're going to get the most when everything starts clicking finally and you just like on another level. It's like, no. I'd rather be more prepared than underprepared. Just like mm -hmm. a, a, a mixing oil and gas with a two-stroke. I would say, I'd rather be richer than poor. I'll take it smoking before I blow the seize my motor up. Just put a little more extra. We ain't got no funnel or no measuring cup. Just dump a little more in there. I'd rather be richer than anything. I just deal with the smoke. Let's go. Like, exactly. I'll be richer than poor any day, just like in life. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, I'm hoping for you that you're able to come up here pretty soon and uh, and get you a good elk tag and that you've got a good outfitter or, or guide service or whoever you're going to end up going with. Um, I, I wish you the most success in that especially with the way you dedicate yourself to everything else in your life. We didn't get to touch on necessarily everything uh, in regards to family life and everything, but I will say from what I get, from what I gather, I know it's only a glimpse of it, but through social media, you're an amazing dad. You're an amazing husband, uh, especially when it comes to teaching how to wash the windows. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to kill that one. 
<laughs> that's, what, that's what happened when I'm in the house. Like, yeah, I can't turn it off. I just can't be mediocre. Like, I saw some streaks. Like, yeah, what are you doing? Look, look, you got to put the with it. Like, get some paper. Oh, newspapers, not paper towels. Get some newspapers. Yeah, she about killed me off that one. <laughs> Go outside. Get out of the house. Get out of here. <laughs> she the one that told me to stay in the house. She's like, stay in the house with us this morning. I'm like, all right. That's what she get. She's like, that's your mistake. For those that didn't see that, I think it was a story, so it's probably expired. But uh, yeah, it's, he he got up and he again, just kind of a testament to who you are. You've got to go 100% on everything or even more. Uh, he got up and he was he was cleaning the windows because he didn't, you know, you didn't like the streaks that were on the windows. And his wife went and videoed him. And posted it up on Instagram. <laughs> and so he didn't even know that she was taking this video. And it was fun. <laughs> it was hilarious, man. It is what it is. That's, that's like when she, like, sometimes just want to vent. I'm not the person to vent to because I got a solution. I'm not going to let you just vent. I can't just sit mm -hmm. there and Like, don't vent to me because I'm going to have a solution. I know you don't want it, but I got a solution. I'm sorry. Like, I'm here to make you better. We're going to be better as a unit. Anybody around me, you're going to be better just like me. Like, I expect you to do the same thing to me. So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, you know, again, I just, I, I want to have you on because you're, you're an outstanding individual personally, again, from what I've seen from the interactions that we've had and just in all aspects of your life, you give 100%. And I kind of want to get a glimpse for the audience of just how you're such a high achiever outside of the woods, but also in the woods, um, how you're able to turn those passions into careers and the goals that you have, I just think is outstanding. So again, I appreciate all your time, man. Um, today, do you have anything that you want to leave with the audience um, or the listeners that we haven't brought up? Um, no, I mean, pretty much brought it up. I mean, anything you want to talk about, I ain't got to go yet, but if you got to go, I understand. Uh, people listening, just, I ask you guys to tune into the social media and the YouTube if you haven't. Um, as for fighting, you can check me out at Corey underscore MMA, that's C-O-R-E-Y. A underscore MMA. And then uh, the channel I really want to grow is the hunting. Outdoors with overtime. We got hats. We got shirts. We got hoodies. We got fletchings. Um, I got more stuff coming. It's been super busy. I've been designing things. Got to get it in the works. Um, but you can check out the YouTube channel at YouTube at Outdoors with Overtime. Instagram, Outdoors with Overtime. Facebook, Outdoors with Overtime. And, uh, yeah, that's – I pour most of my – Free time into that now, you know, just to grow, just to get that head start to when I'm done fighting. Like I said, but what are you going to do with when you're done fighting? Like, just go right into the next one. Full speed. Ain't nothing. I'm not sitting on my hands. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just help to continue helping me grow. We're doing a bow giveaway now. When we hit 5K subscribers. And then I've got a lot of giveaways in the bag. So, as we grow, you guys get to grow with gifts. So. Yeah, appreciate awesome. all the followers and supporters I've got thus far and look forward to those to come. Awesome. That's amazing, man. And I guess for, for the young guys out there listening that maybe are just getting started in any type of career, any type of activity, what would be one, I guess, one takeaway that you would you would tell them um, as they're getting started with the whether it be a rough, rough patch with with hunting, the outdoors, their career, with the family, uh, what would be one thing you'd want to leave with them? It's the cliche saying they say tough times don't last, but tough people do. You know what I mean? Like I said, I didn't get good till later in my life. You know, a lot of people don't know about me wrestling or whatnot. In high school, I got beat by a girl. I was probably least successful, don't want to be least successful to do anything. I was the only one from my high school 
well, not the only one, but one of the few that never make it to the state tournament. But I'm also the only guy from my high school to ever make it to the NCAA finals. So, you know, you look at all that stuff and you look from where I come from. And that's why I laugh and smile through anything, even through defeat. I can have a smile on my face because if you knew where I came from, you wouldn't believe where I am today. So just keep working. No matter how hard things get, like I said earlier, you only defeat, you're only defeated when you quit. You just keep getting up and just keep going. Keep getting up and keep working, keep working. And one day you'll realize it ain't going to be that hard. And another one of my sayings, it can only last so long. Just keep going and going. you realize the hard times only last so long. Before you know it, you'll be thriving. And uh, there you go. You'll have that success. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's definitely something that a lot of people can learn from. It may be a cliche saying, but it, it's true, man. And I, I, that's again, something else that I really appreciate from you is that you, you'd really do smile through some tough things. I mean, you had a tough loss, uh, but you've also had some super high highs here recently. So uh, you keep trudging through and, and uh, getting things done the way you are. And I really appreciate everything you put out there, man. And uh, wish you the best of luck with, with drawing an elk tag, hopefully this upcoming year. Yeah. Hopefully I got to get one. I got to enter a draw, but I definitely want to get one. Hopefully. Hopefully we can line it up where my fight schedule falls before elk hunt. <laughs> and I can make it out there finally. Because I just I just want to hear elk bugle. Even if I don't even get out there with my bow in hand, I just want to be there with somebody on elk hunt, backpacking and just hear that bugle through the valleys and the creeks and everything just make my skin shiver. And I feel like I'll be hooked after that. Oh, you will, man. You will. YouTube and any videos you watch don't do it justice. When you hear it in real life, you're like, oh, man. That's never going back to the to what it was. <laughs> yeah, my brother-in-law and my father-in-law did it a couple years ago. They said, like I said, they've killed white, huge white tails their whole life. And they're like, yo, there's nothing like an elephant. I got to get back out there again. I got to figure out my work schedule so I can go back. Like, that was probably the greatest night I've ever done. And I want to feel that. Yep, you're going to be hooked. You're going to be out there wrestling the elk that's what <laughs> jump on their backs we're naked choking elks <laughs> riding them holding on to the antlers oh, yeah, all right I man yeah. <laughs> awesome well i appreciate your time again guys i'm going to leave the links down below so you can check out Corey, uh mr overtime and everything that he's got going in the works and uh join him subscribe to his channels and uh keep following him he's doing amazing things again i appreciate your time man and uh like i always say guys get out live your life and love it. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having Corey on the podcast. Again, he's just a stud of an individual. He is constantly getting after it. Hence his nickname overtime because he's just always grinding at home, in the cage, wherever he's getting after it in the woods, of course. And so looking forward to following his journey. Definitely check his links out down below guys. So you can figure out who Corey is um, and just, hear more about his journey and see where he's taking things. Of course, guys, I'd also love to see you over at Redbeard's Fit Crew and First Form Outdoors Facebook groups. Again, if you don't have Facebook, shoot me an email and I'll get you in on those weekly calls. And if you're listening to the podcast, not on YouTube, go follow uh, wherever you're listening and uh, leave a follow and a review. That really helps a ton getting this out to new individuals, people who would hear it for the first time. Also continue sharing it, guys. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. If you're watching this on YouTube, definitely leave a subscribe and a comment. Maybe any questions you have or anything along those lines. Outside of that, guys, hope you have a great rest of your weekend. 
spend time with loved ones, get outside as much as possible, pursue your passions and your goals so you can live a happier, healthier, more successful life. Now, of course, get out, live your life, and love it.